0: Welcome to our weekly 3-Minute Therapy podcast. I'm Dr. Michael Edelstein. I'm a clinical psychologist and author. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about 3-Minute Therapy and then introduce you to our guests. 3-Minute Therapy is based on the pioneering work of Albert Allis, who changed the course of the psychotherapy movement from more psychoanalytically oriented therapy to the current very popular cognitive behavior therapy. Psychoanalytic therapy had a basic premise that it's your childhood that causes your emotional problems as an adult, but REBT shows why that's false and teaches people that it's their thinking That causes their emotions and emotional problems, not situations. So thinking about situations. And that's an ancient idea taught by Epictetus, other Stoic philosophers, and Albert Ellis put it together and devised this form of therapy, R-E-B-T, Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy. And the basic premise uh, built on our emotions come from our thinking is that our disturbed emotions come from a particular type of thinking, and that's thinking in terms of demands. Must, should, supposed tos, have tos. I must do well and get approval, otherwise I'm no good. Or others must treat me well or else they're no good. Or the third demand, not a demand on people, but a demand on the conditions of one's life, My life must be fair, easy, and hassle free. And if it's not, then that's awful. And that tends to lead to depression, procrastination, and addictions. So I'm honored to be joined by two guests, both attorneys. And uh, my partner today will be Denise Golden, who's an attorney in New York. And our special guest is Mark victor who is uh the head of the live and let live movement you could look that up live and dot org
1: and uh has been practicing for how many years mark uh, 28 years now it went by like it was six months but yeah uh-huh. yes yeah.
0: and you also have a firm called attorneys for freedom with seven
1: attorneys is that correct uh, I think that sounds about right, Seven Lawyers. Yeah, we we're in uh, Honolulu, and we are also in uh, Arizona as well. We're the Attorneys for Freedom, and we're a pro-freedom law firm.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh. Very good, very good. And REBT is about emotional freedom. So we, we're we represented here by personal freedom and, uh, and uh, societal freedom. So, Mark, I'm curious about... How REBT fits with law. So, I have some questions about that. I'd like to ask you based on your experience. And um, what would you say is the most challenging uh, part emotionally for you uh, as a lawyer?
1: Well, uh, Michael, you know, uh, by the time a case is coming to me, I do criminal defense. There is a uh, there is a dispute. And the dispute is almost always the same kind of dispute, right? The government is coming after some person uh, with at least some threat of putting them in jail or prison. And so my clients are filled with worry and concern about what's going to happen in the world. And uh, the nature of the uh, relationship between the parties, you might imagine, is often acrimonious, Uh, although it doesn't actually turn out that way because in most criminal cases, uh, you know the prosecutors; they're not normally personally invested in the cases. They understand that uh, we have a role to do, um, you know, to to really do honor to what the Constitution requires in terms of due process to put some before you put someone in jail or prison. And so um, it's probably more civil in terms of the relationship between defense attorneys and prosecutors that people would imagine than people would imagine. But there is a lot of stress, and I know that that is true. For lawyers in almost every practice area.
0: Yeah. Now, um, one of the basic premises, as I mentioned, of rational emotive behavior therapy is that stress never comes from situations, but from our thinking about it. And when people think that the situation caused their stress, we could call that misattribution. They're attributing the, the stress to the situation. So, As people go in general, most people think that way. Uh, But lawyers are very bright. They went through law school and a lot of training. Uh, Have you noticed that lawyers also fall into this trap of uh, attributing their stress uh, to the situation?
1: Yeah, this is a human problem, right? Um, And so whether you're a lawyer or not doesn't make any difference. I got lucky. I, I ran into this guy named Michael Edelstein. And uh, he started educating me about these kinds of ideas. And then uh, quite independently from that, I started studying uh, the writings of Marcus Aurelius and Seneca. And uh, I, I like to pursue uh, sto- the stoic- Stoics. I think that they had a lot of great things to say. So, in fact, uh, last week at my law firm, we often have a day, we call it the Seven Habits Day, where we go through what Stephen Covey put together in the seven habits. But I took half that day and we talked about stoicism. I, because I think it's that important uh, to spend time on really being in control of where you're spending your, your, your thoughts, what, what you're thinking about, how you frame things, not losing your perspective. If you want to increase your overall happiness, this is certainly the course. This is the way to get there.
0: Uh-huh, great. By the way, Denise, anytime you want to ask a question or comment, interrupt, raise your hand, anything like that. Don't feel uh, obligated,
2: though. Okay, well, now that you brought that up, yes, I I have a question for Mark. Can you give us an example of where you applied your
1: stoic philosophy or
2: REBT to a situation? Yeah, Yeah, great question, Mark.
1: Yeah, excellent. Well, uh, there are two meditations that they're not really meditations, but Uh, The ancient Roman Stoics used the word meditation. They use it differently than maybe the Buddhists use the word meditations. Um, But there are two that are related that I'm very fond of. First is the last time meditation, and the second is a a negative uh, thoughts meditation. The idea here is that, um, you know, on the last time meditation, you just recognize the, the truth of reality, which is there will be a last time for every single thing that you do. Uh, and, and you don't know when the last time is you don't know how many more times you have and so take a second think about that and imagine that what you're doing right now it could be the last time you ever do such a thing and that changes your perspective and also the negative thoughts meditation is you know you think about all the horrible things that have not happened that could have happened but didn't happen and you you uh, come out of that feeling so lucky you know I, oh my god I got this terrible I, for last few days, I've had hiccups, and it was driving me crazy. And I was I was feeling bad about it. And then I thought about all the other horrible things I could have had uh, that I, w- I would have killed to have hiccups, right? And so it made me feel so much better about that. The facts of reality didn't change; it was my thinking about those facts that changed. And as as you develop a skill here, you, again, you first got to convince yourself we're not doing anything tricky this isn't supernatural this is the real deal right i mean this is the truth of the situation and this isn't you know affirmations in the mirror or playing mind games or something it's actual reality and so get your brain around the fact that um get your big the bigger wider perspective on what's going on we're also lucky to be alive in the first place right and that we live at probably the best time ever to be alive and we're very likely living in the best place to be alive and all the the infinite number of horrible things that could have happened and did happen to other people that haven't happened to you we should be celebrating it seems every second of every day not upset about things
0: that would be preferable there's no reason we should be celebrating and it's not the hiccups driving you crazy it's important to have that first insight i'm driving myself crazy about the hiccups and i can change that
1: this is one of the great things about hanging around with Michael, because he's right about this stuff, but, you know, he gets you into the habit of thinking uh, more correctly about things, and I, I love that he corrects me. Sometimes I'll, I'll say something, this is a good person or a bad person. No, 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 this isn't a good or a bad person. There, are, This is somebody who did something that we we decided was good or bad or something. Uh, and, and, it, and they're
0: imperfect humans who act imperfectly.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Yeah. When you work with other attorneys and especially in the courtroom with judges, do you find they tend to be relatively reasonable and don't have a lot of musts and shoulds or uh, putting themselves down or putting other people down? Or uh, is there a difference there?
1: You know, it's very hard to generalize. I I try to reject generalizing about groups because you're always going to be wrong when you do this. But for the most part. Uh, Most judges I've encountered in my 28 years, while I don't agree with the law that they're um, interpreting and applying in many cases, most of them do a pretty reasonably good job applying it. Of course, some of them are biased, right, towards the state because many in the criminal realm have come from the prosecutor ranks rather than the defense attorney ranks. Um, But on the other hand, I've seen some um, some of the judges I've liked the least come from the defense attorney side, too. So it's very hard to say. Uh, but for the most part, I uh, I'm a fan of our criminal justice system.
0: Uh huh, uh huh. And and Denise, uh, how about you? Have you know you're very good at sniffing out irrationality in people. How about you? Uh, in contact with other attorneys, do you find them as uh, well, reasonable or unreasonable as the average person, or is there a difference?
2: Well, the average person is pretty you know, unreasonable. Each of us, we have to work very hard to become reasonable. And as Mark said, you often remind me of the realities of the world and you're very disciplined in that. And uh, when I speak to you, I get the opportunity to discipline myself again. But generally, um, uh, I think most people are functional. Uh, I think the... Uh, legal system in New York is sort of functional at times, uh, but I find most people irrational.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, well, I actually I agree with Mark, Denise, in that it's hard to overgeneralize. I think people are irrational in many ways and rational in many ways, and uh, it's easier to see their irrationality and craziness, um, especially if we're REBT trained <laughs> and we have uh we have, we're vigilant about that. Okay. I had no other questions or comments. Either of you have uh, a final word.
2: Well, I'd, I'd like to ask Mark how, and how does he find his clients? Does he find that uh, they have a rational approach to their situation?
1: Yeah. Well, again, they're all different. Um, I really love it when I'm sitting across the desk from, um, you know, say two people and, one of them says, "You know, he drives me so crazy. He makes me so angry." I I hear uh, Michael the Michael Edelstein in me, you know, starts having fun with that. And I say, "Oh, does does he make you happy sometimes? Is he? And what other strings does he have he can pull?" He's I didn't realize he's in charge of you. And they look at me and they say, "What?" And you know, I I always relate this to freedom because freedom's a big topic in my life, and this is really a, a first freedom. You know, I I like uh, the writings of Viktor Frankl, I thought were excellent um, in Man's Search for Meaning, at least the first part of it, where he talked about his experience during the Holocaust and uh, that sort of primary freedom that he retained control over during that ordeal was very impressive. Uh, Michael's book, Three Minute Therapy, I thought was really fantastic. It was, you know, a series of these uh, experiences with other people and how he resolved them. And once you start understanding Hey, there's a method, there's a process here to sort of unwind what's uh, what's causing the problem, and it's it's your thoughts about the problem, right? The universe doesn't care about these kinds of things. It's how you think about these kinds of things that matters. And then there's a way to you know step back. And I also am a big fan of meditation because I think meditation helps you take that step back. You know, recognize that hey, you know, I'm having these negative ideas in my head and hit that pause button, take a step back, and then think about things from maybe a slightly different perspective. And as soon as you do that, not only do you not feel sad about things or frustrated about things, you probably are going to hit the other end of the spectrum and say, wow, that's, that's not really much of a problem compared to the kinds of problems I could have. And then, you know, in the stoic training, um, they, the author I dealt with, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment, says, "Look, step back and think of it as a challenge from the Stoic gods." He says, "Step one, <laughs> uh, figure out a workaround in a cool-headed, rational kind of a way. What can I do to get around this problem?" And then number two, evaluate yourself on that workaround and what your attitude was as you were working through it. And if you if you get into this habit of seeing life setbacks as one of these challenges from the Stoic gods to make you stronger, um, then I think you you overall live a happier life. And if that's what you care about, you got to get control of how you think about what it is that you're experiencing. It's all about that, right? Because again, the, the universe throws experiences out there. How you think about those experiences is the key to your happiness. Mark, listening to
0: you, I'm thinking... You're on the road to becoming an REBT therapist.
1: (laughs) I love it. I think there's a lot of wisdom. I love sharing. When I find things about the world that I think can help improve other people, I love sharing those things. And, Michael, you just do such a great job. I wish we were around each other more because it would help me more easily get into that. mind. Because we all slip in. Sometimes you slip into a negative state of mind. That's just part of being human. It's, the, it's getting yourself out of that it's recognizing that you're in a negative state of mind knowing what to do to get out of that and you know again michael's book is is you know i'm just saying it because it's the truth if you haven't read it you should get it it's an easy read it's a very helpful read and it gets you into the mindset of working through these different kinds of problems yeah you can also take a look at my website where i have some chapters in my book and uh
0: other ideas along these lines. And that's 3minutetherapy.com. Three is spelled out, 3minutetherapy.com. Also the name of my book.
1: And I um, think you could actually even do this in three seconds. You know, I, I start high. with people, I start with people and I usually, they say, really? Oh no, my life is terrible. I said, well, I start with, do you live in the Ukraine? And as soon as they get the gravity of that question, instantly they're in a different situation, right? And right. I yeah, you asked them something that was, you know, a legitimate question. There's no BS in any of this. But once they put their brain in a different perspective, um, it changes everything. And the ability to do that, the knowledge of why to do that, I think is really the key here.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you said you could do this in three seconds because it reminds me many years ago uh, I was at a workshop conducted by Albert Ellis, and he mentioned my book, and then he said. You can actually do this in three seconds so <laughs> <laughs> and in three seconds you can remind yourself if you're upsetting yourself about a situation it's my thinking that's doing it i can change my thinking that's maybe two seconds
1: yeah you know in in, in stoicism they talk about really three different categories of things there are things that you have absolutely no control whatsoever about like, for example, whether Vladimir Putin is going to use a, a tactical nuke in in uh, the Ukraine, I have, uh, I'd love to someday have some influence on that. But right now, I don't have any influence on that whatsoever. So those things, you know, for me to spend time worrying about that stuff is, is probably the definition of wasted time, wasted thoughts. Then there's the category of things I have close to a hundred percent control over like my attitude, like my thinking about the problem. This is, I think where a lot of what Michael is saying comes in. I have great control over how I think about that problem. So I should spend a lot of time there. Then there's the sort of mixed area, right? I have some control, but not I have some, like if I, as an example in, in his uh, course, he talks about playing a tennis match. Well, I have some control over if I win the match, but not full control so he basically looks at it and says, what, what portion of this do you have control over? Well, I have control over whether I play my best. So I, I'll set that as my goal. So I just used this in an experience I had. I was running for United States Senate in Arizona as a libertarian. I have no control over what other people do with their votes, none at all. But what I had control over was how I presented myself, what I said, how I said it. So I made it to be my goal to present the philosophy of what we call the live and let live philosophy, to present that to the reasonably the best of my ability. Because as Michael points out, it's never going to be perfect, right? I'm never going to do a perfect job. But I did I, did, I do reasonably as well as I could have done? And I think I hit that mark. And so In that regard, I achieved my goal with my run for Senate. And it made it so much more manageable for me rather than stressing about every little thing that I have no control over. It seems ridiculous.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, I would modify what the Stoics say about uh, the dichotomy of control. You have control or you don't. Uh, You do have influence. And you can, for example, in your run for Senate, uh, Mark, you had influence over how others would vote by delivering a good message, by uh, uh, exciting them about what it would be like if you were senator, those kinds of things. So you still had influence. Also, I wanted to say something about Viktor Frankl, since you had mentioned him and his great book, Man's Search for Meaning. And he really illustrates this idea of our thinking causes our emotions very, very clearly, because what he said was when he was in a Nazi concentration camp, Although the other inmates around him were very, very depressed, he decided to give himself a meaning of being there. And his meaning that he decided, he chose, no one gave it to him, was to help the other inmates. As a psychiatrist, he helped them emotionally, and uh, that helped him get through um, that experience. So um, Amazing. Yeah, just yeah. amazing.
1: Yeah, I I wish you were out here more, Michael. I'd love to have you talk to my crew and give them a little lesson on exactly what it is you teach because what you teach is very, very wise. Uh, And in fact, I would love to integrate it even more into what the Live and Let Live movement is about if we could, because this is something, the same thing, the same reason we're pushing freedom and peace. This is something that just helps other humans live a happier lives while they're on the planet. And I think that's ultimate value here that we're looking for. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'd I'd like to say
2: one more thing about REBT, that the practicality of it uh, in uh, opposition to the philosophical ideas, which are wonderful if you're a philosophical type, but there's a practical aspect to this. And REBT allows uh, for an opportunity to practice on a daily basis uh, a very practical form of the philosophy.
0: Yes, yes. And uh, very good, Denise. And that's uh, referring to uh, one way of practicing it is the three-minute exercises. And if you're interested in learning more about the three-minute exercises and practicing this, just do a search on my name and three-minute exercises, and you'll see a lot about that. I also have a Psychology Today blog where they call me the three-minute therapist, and I talk about this practice as well. Well, thanks both of you for a great program. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And uh, so thanks, Denise Golden, Mark Victor, and Chris Rossini, our technical engineer in the background. Comment below if you have any thoughts about what you heard. Give us a thumbs up, a like, if you enjoyed this and learned something from it. Suggest subjects uh, that you'd like us to discuss. Volunteer. uh, Mark, survived, uh, this experience. So probably if you volunteer to come on to discuss a problem, or if you're a therapist, if you'd like supervision, no extra charge on the podcast, come on, donate to Patreon to help support us and subscribe to the three minute therapy
1: podcast to stay on the rational side of life.